Amen, amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them helping us this morning, leading us in worship, and uh, very, very excited about that. Well, I, I don't know if you experienced this when you were growing up, but maybe you did while you were in elementary school, middle school, high school, or even college. Believe it or not, it's actually a clinically proven issue. It's called test anxiety. Anybody ever had any of that before? Would you just slip your hand up real quick? Test anxiety. You know, I, I didn't realize it, but I actually experienced a little bit of that while I was growing up. And I did a little research on that. I want you to know, here's how you know you have test anxiety. Because it brings sis, uh, symptoms that often interfere with your performance, causing significant discomfort. These symptoms include, now listen to this, this is... This is like legitical medical facts. Are y'all listening say yes? It includes uh, increased heart rate, digestive problems like nausea, uh, diarrhea, cramping. That's a rough test, by the way. If you got like diarrhea, it's like, man, I, I'm nervous, bro. All right, cramping, heartburn, jittery feeling, sweating, shaking, and shallow breathing. Anybody ever had any of that before, a test before? I know that I have, and I, I know that Krista has, um, not in school, but every pregnancy test, she is that way. So anyway, that was a funny joke. But anyway, so, uh, so glad that you guys are here today. And the reason I kind of bring that up is because for the past couple of weeks, what we've been doing is taking a test. And uh, John gives us that. And John wants you and I not to have a hope-so or a think-so salvation, but a no-so salvation. And so as we go through this test, what we're doing is really giving us an opportunity to discern whether or not we have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And my heart in prayer is that you've been challenged, that you've not experienced anxiety, but you have actually taken the test and you've examined your own heart. And we're going to continue to do that today. Now, some people think it's not a good idea to question and to really examine our own lives to determine whether or not we're saved. And so some people are kind of against that. But you know, the Bible actually teaches us to do that. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, test yourselves to see if you're of the faith. Examine yourselves. And we know that this testing is actually challenged uh, to us in the New Testament. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that we don't go bebopping through life thinking that we have a relationship with the Lord when, in fact, we don't have a genuine relationship. Jesus said it very plainly. He says, there'll be many who call me Lord, Lord, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means there are individuals who are going to say prayers, and they're going to say, Lord. But Jesus is going to be like, I don't know you. There'll be many who will sing songs out to Jesus and say, uh, you're the Lord but they don't have a genuine relationship with him. There'll be people who have difficulties in life and they'll call out to the Lord, but they don't have a genuine relationship with him. That's what Jesus does. He says, listen, you and I need to examine ourselves to make sure that we have a genuine faith. John wants us to have that as well as the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the last couple of weeks, I've given you five test questions. And this morning, I want to add two, and that's going to make the completion of the test and then we'll dive into something else in 1 John next Sunday. But I'm going to give you two today. All right, so 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Y'all ready for some Bible study? Say yes. Uh, go ahead and stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth isn't in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. And by this we know that we are in him, that the one who says he abides in him ought also himself walk in the same manner as he walked. And beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. 
The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him, that's Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. And the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Well, let's bow together. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to open up your divine word. And we ask that you would uh, give us ears to hear. God, I pray for those who may be in a constant state of doubt about their salvation. God, give them assurance this morning about their salvation. And Father, I don't want to see any genuine convert walking through their life always doubting. So Holy Spirit, I trust that you'll speak to hearts this morning. And God, for those who have deceived themselves, they're trying to convince themselves that they have a relationship with you when in fact they do not. Father, I, I, I pray and beg that the Holy Spirit would be, bring such deep conviction in their own hearts and lives that today would be the day that they gave their hearts to you genuinely. And Father, this is not just some kind of exercise on a Sunday to run through a sermon. Lord, this is an opportunity for us to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that we not only hear, but we also obey, that you are glorified. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, and everybody said, amen. You go ahead and be seated this morning, if you will. And so we're just going to add two more questions to the total list. And what I'm doing really is trying to help you. I want to remind you that if you're here this morning, you say, well, Levi, I don't have any doubt about my salvation at all. Then listen, what you need to do is take some good notes because as you have the opportunity to invest in others and actually be a missionary in this community, this is going to give you tools to actually help you speak to those who are doubting their salvation. So I'm going to add two questions this morning to the total of five, which makes seven. So here it goes, the very first one. Are you faithfully obeying Jesus? Are you faithfully obeying Jesus? In other words, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're actually going to do what Jesus said to do. So go ahead and look with me, if you will, verse 3. The Bible says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now notice here a key word in the text is the word know, K-N-O-W. Now this is a word that is used throughout the New Testament, but it speaks so much more uh, other than just intellectual knowledge. This actually includes the idea of having an experiential knowledge or having a dynamic fellowship with someone else. So here, that's the word that is being used. You see, knowing biblical facts about Jesus does not mean that you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what I have found in our culture, the culture in which you and I have been planted to be missionaries to make disciples. I have found that most people that I come into contact with know the facts of Jesus' life. They understand that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried and resurrected. And they'll intellectually say, oh, yeah, I know all of that. I, I've heard that before. I believe that, even some will say. But just having intellectual facts in your own mind and brain does not mean you have a genuine relationship with the Lord. 
Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the Atlanta Hawks are doing something now that they have not done for years since Dominique Wilkins. Uh, namely, win. Are y'all listening? So they're actually winning games now, which is just tremendous. And I love basketball, and my dad and I are actually going to go to a game uh, in a couple of weekends, so I'm really looking forward to that. But after we got tickets, I realized I don't know one single person who plays on the Hawks now. Never heard of any of them, so I did a little research and actually came across a guy named Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague plays for the Atlanta Hawks. He's been with them only for a very short time. And I actually found out some things about Jeff Teague. Jeff actually used to live in Indiana. He went to Pike High School. He went to Wake Forest College. He was drafted in the first round as the 19th overall pick for the Atlanta Hawks. He's actually being paid, check this out, $32 million. That's his contract to play basketball. For the, I didn't even know the Hawks had that much money. Are y'all listening? But here they are. They're paying Jeff Teague. And this year, Jeff Teague actually was named an all-star. That was the first time for him, uh, probably first time for the Hawks too, y'all listening, but here Jeff Teague is on the Eastern Conference All-Star team. The highest scoring game Jeff Teague ever had, check this out, was 34 points. Jeff Teague has got it going on. I cannot wait to watch him play. Now, if you came up to me after church and said, hey, do you know Jeff Teague? I'd say, yeah, I know it. But if you really pressed me, I'd have to say, wait a minute, now, I don't really know Jeff Teague. I mean, I'm not like spending time with Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague hadn't called me on the phone. We're not, you know, uh, getting together before the game to have a meal. So now I don't really know him. I know a lot about him. And what I fear, listen, what I fear is that the people we live among, and even people who go to church, even here at Concord, they know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know him. They know Jesus like I know Jeff Teague. They have intellectual facts, so you can rattle off all kinds of Sunday school answers, man. You've got them going on. You know all of the facts, all of the stories. You can spout them out left and right. And as soon as someone begins one story, you can give the ending to it. You intellectually know a lot, but you don't really genuinely know him. And there's a huge difference here. And the Bible says there in verse 4, the one who says, I have come to know him. There it is. Somebody saying, I know him. But he doesn't keep his commandments. Check out what the Bible says. He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, you know what John is saying? Here's what John's saying. Now, look at me. I'm eyeball. He's saying there are going to be some people who claim to know Jesus, but they're not following his commandments. They're liars. They have not genuinely come to know him. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? In other words, how is it that you can show up and you can kind of follow around with me and you can call out to me, Lord, and call me master, but whenever I command you to do something, you don't obey. Don't call me Lord. You don't know me. Because if you knew me, you would do what I tell you to do. Y'all out there say, yeah? Again, Matthew 7, 21, I, I gave it to you in the intro, but let me give you the final, final portion of that text. Jesus says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will, notice that, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Now check this out, all right? Listen closely. You don't enter into heaven by your works, 
But if you have genuine faith in Christ, you will work. There will be evidence coming forth from your life. Obedience, faithful obedience to Christ. He's Lord. Notice verse 5 in your Bible. I want you all to look at it hard, all right? Look at it, look at it. The Bible says, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. And so here we have uh, a reminder. He who keeps his word. It's another way to say he who keeps his commandments. Now, y'all look at me eyeball to eyeball because this is pretty wild. The Bible says if we claim to know him, we ought to keep his commandments. Y'all with me? Say yes. If we claim to know him, we ought to keep his commandments. Are y'all with me? Say yes. I'm trying to teach a Bible study here. Y'all look at me. I said, this is huge, right? Because I'm reading right now in my own devotion the book of Leviticus. Are y'all listening? And there are tons of commands over there, man. Matter of fact, there are commands that every single time you sin, you've got to bring a guilt offering before the Lord, an animal slain by the priest. And the priest is putting blood on his thumbs, on his big toes. He's sprinkling blood on the altar. And he's making sacrifice all of the time. And that's what the Lord, that was a commandment. Anybody bring any animals this morning? Did y'all not, y'all ain't got no goats? Sheep? Bulls? There's some across the street. Y'all can go get them. So those are commandments in the Old Testament. So now I begin to ask, okay, if I'm a follower of Jesus, should I obey those commands? And then I'm reading through that text, and I discover all of these festivals and all these days and all these Sabbaths and new moons and every single thing that I'm supposed to. Am I supposed to be doing that? If I'm a follower of Jesus, should I be following? Is that the command? Is that the word that John is talking about? What commandment? And I love John's writings, right? You know, John wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then John also wrote, the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, you know what Jesus does? Or John does, he actually records Jesus saying this. I want y'all to listen to this. Are y'all listening and say yes? Because this is awesome. This is my commandment. Are y'all ready for this? Because we're like, all right, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to do what he says. We need to follow his command. We need to keep his word. That means to guard, attend to it. So, all right, Jesus, what is the commandment? And then he lays it out here. He says it very clearly. Uh, Love one another just as I have loved you. Now, go a step further. Listen to what John writes in 1 John 3 and 23. And again, it's in 1 John. So John's like, all right, if you follow Jesus, or if you claim to know Jesus, you got to do what he says. you got to follow his commandments. And then in 1 John 3, 23, here's what he says. This is the commandment that you believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and you love one another just as Jesus commanded us. Now, everybody look at me real quick, all right? Because he says you got to believe in the name of Jesus. That's his character, all right? you got to trust Jesus, not some rediscovered Jesus, not some redefined Jesus, not some imaginary Jesus, not some made-up Jesus. But you've got to trust the Jesus who was the God-man who came to the earth and lived a sinless life and died on the cross. Listen, for you personally, he paid the penalty of your sin. He was buried and resurrected. You've got to believe. You've got to trust. You've got to have faith in that Jesus. And then when you do, you will begin to follow what Jesus commands, and that is you will actually love one another. Can I tell you to you like this, and everybody eyeball to eyeball, because I want you to hear this very closely, all right? Look, look, look. I'm trying to help y'all. y'all. Y'all still my friends out there say, yeah, trying to help you. The compelling evidence that you genuinely know Christ 
The compelling evidence is your love for other people. That's the compelling. Listen, whenever I'm talking to this guy Friday morning at the gym and he's talking about being in church and he has looked and he's like, those people are hypocrites. They don't care for each other. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I didn't see people doing what Jesus said to do. And whether you realize it or I realize it, people are watching your life. And when you claim to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, they want to look. They're like, oh, let's see if this thing really makes a difference in his life or her life. Let's see how they treat one another. Let's see how they act in the workplace. Let's see how they act towards the manager whenever he's a little hard on them. Let's see how they act in the neighborhood when things don't go their way and whenever somebody else kind of does something with their property and they get a little ill about it. Let's see how they respond. Let's see what kind of love they will show. Jesus said it like this again in John's gospel. Don't y'all love John? John's helping us here. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I love this because you have it right here in 1 John 2 and verse 5. So look back at the text we're looking at it this morning. The Bible says, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Now, notice this, if you are in the Lord Jesus, if you have a true relationship with him, the love of God has been made complete in you. That's what that word perfected means. It means that the love of God now inside your life is the motivating principle behind why you love other people. Freely you have received unmatched, unstoppable, unconditional love from God. You have that going on in your life, and as a result now you want to extend that unmatched, unconditional, unstoppable love to those that you come into contact with. Y'all like pizza? Y'all like it? I'm asking y'all a question up here. Y'all don't leave me by myself, man. It's hard to preach when y'all ain't with me. You like pizza, Andy? I like pizza, too. Could you imagine if somebody gave me an unlimited supply of pizza? Y'all with me? I can't use this at 11 o'clock because they'll start leaving early. You, you, you know what I'm saying? They'll be like, I'm going to Papa's. But you imagine, let's just imagine that. I got an unlimited supply of pizza. And if you came to my house and you opened up our cupboards, there'd be pizza all over the place. I mean, just boxes filled with pizza. If you looked in the microwave, there'd be pizza sauce splattered everywhere. We'd be warming it up. If you opened up the stove, there would be actually pizza boxes sitting in there. If you opened up the refrigerator, there'd be leftover pizza. We're going to have that for breakfast, y'all with me? And so we'd have pizza everywhere. And if you knocked on the door and said, Levi, can I have some pizza? I'd be like, yeah. I got more pizza than I know what to do with. Come in here, man. How many boxes you want? Y'all with me? I ain't going to deal out pieces, boxes. That's what I got. The reason I be giving that out so freely is because I got so much of it. And if you've genuinely placed your faith in Jesus, you've received so much love, you give it out free, man. Every single person that comes knocking on the door of your life, you can't help but deal it out. Because you've got so much of it. I mean, it is in the cupboards of your spiritual house. It is in the refrigerator. It's in the microwave and the stuff. And you're just dealing it out to every single person that comes in. And somebody's like, how can you be so loving? How can you look out for the best interests of others? How can you consider it good to actually serve other people? How can you do this? And your response is, because I've got an unlimited supply. I can't run out. God has overwhelmed me with his love in Jesus Christ. 
And now this motivating principle at work in my life is the love of God, and it is going out to every single person. <laughs> Verse 5 and 6, he says it there, by this we know that we are in him, the one who abides in him all himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. He's talking about Jesus. He's like, all right, hey, 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 y'all down there at church, y'all talk about how y'all follow Jesus, right? Y'all love Jesus down there, don't you? Y'all doing what he said to do? Are you walking in the same manner that he walked? It's the idea of tracing someone's life. Your kid, maybe when you were growing up, uh, maybe you were a kid as well, and you did the same thing. All of you were kids, not maybe a kid. You with me? But maybe you trace somebody, your dad's hand, you just trace it over. Now listen, here's what Jesus did. He came and put a handprint upon the earth, and he said, now, if you're going to follow me, I want you to trace my hand. Just do what I did. Follow the life and ministry of Jesus through the Gospels. What's he involved in doing? The Bible says he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many. The scripture says that Jesus actually spent time with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus reached out to those who were sick and hurting. He didn't avoid them. He didn't shun them. He didn't turn his back on them. Jesus reached out to those who everybody else turned their back on, those who are far from God. That's who Jesus went after. Jesus loved. His love was expressed very evident as he actually sat down with his disciples one day and washed their feet. And at the end of doing that, you know what Jesus said to them? He said, now you guys go and do the same that I have done. And then he says, love each other. Love each other. So if you have genuine faith in Christ, it will show up in the love that you have for others, and your love will show up in the fact that you will serve one another. And this affects every single aspect of your life. When you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, man, you can't just pull Jesus out on Sunday. Jesus is out every single day. That's how it rolls for a genuine convert. And oftentimes I talk about the roles that I have in my life, and I use hats to kind of describe them. So if you can kind of just imagine, I got a bunch of hats up here. So I got a hat on here, and it says, uh, I'm a husband to my wife. I got another hat that says, I'm a father to my children. I got another hat that says, I'm a pastor. I got another hat that says, you know, I hang out with, with people in recreational settings. I got another hat that says I'm a neighbor. My question now is, when I look at all those roles, does my relationship with Jesus influence those roles? Is there a difference? <laughs> Please, y'all look at me. Can y'all look at me? I'm trying to talk to you. I want to help y'all this morning. Look at me real close. You're listening? Everybody with me? People should not be shocked at your workplace to find out you're a follower of Jesus. People should be like, you go to church? If they do ask that, please don't tell them you go to Concord. Faithfully obeying Jesus, which leads me to the last question. I got to give this to you quickly. Am I growing in love toward others? Am I growing in love toward others? Uh, no, notice this, all right? And every single time I, I, I read 7 and 8 and I think about this idea of growing in love, I always get the idea of the Grinch in my mind, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Y'all remember him? And at the end of the story, I mean, if you watch the cartoon, his heart's like exploding, right? This is the idea. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your heart grows and enlarges over time, and you love people more and more and more and more. Now, that stands to reason that if you've been a follower of Jesus for an extended period of time, then your love should have grown that entire time. So those who know Jesus 
the longest should really be loving the most. Notice verse 7 and 8. Y'all got your Bible? Say yes. Here it is here. The Bible says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him, Jesus, and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, I love this, all right, because John almost sounds confused. Hey, I'm writing you a new commandment. Really, it ain't a new one. It's an old one. But it is a new one. The old one you've already heard. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the fact in the Old Testament that there were already promises and commands of the Lord to love your neighbor as yourself. So it says it's old, but I want you to check this out. It's actually new for us now because of what Jesus has done. Now I want you to think about this, all right? Jesus did what no other person could ever do. Jesus came upon the earth, and Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life in the fact that he loved other people perfectly. Y'all with me say, yeah? Because this is pretty wild, right? Anything that you do that is not motivated by love is sin. So here Jesus is now. He lives a perfect life. And so this commandment now is new because it is complete in him. And it now is new in you because the love of God has been made complete in your life. And how does this happen? Well, the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 5, that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So if you think about this, as a true disciple of Jesus, we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that is that the Holy Spirit motivates us to carry out the law of love towards others. And the Bible says here that the darkness is passing away. That means the darkness is literally leaving. It's walking out the door. And the light here, are y'all listening? Say yes. Because this is pretty awesome. The light is the love of Jesus. That's what the light is. And it's been made manifest to us in the dark world when Jesus came. And his light now, his love, shines in our hearts as true disciples. And as a disciple of Jesus is controlled by the Spirit of God, the light shines through us. And that light is actually made visible because that light is the love we share with one another. That's why Jesus is like, hey, man, let your light so shine before men in heaven. Don't hide your light under a bush. Don't put it out. And that, that light, it's just not that we're walking around glowing. Are y'all listening to me? This light that shows up and is made evident in our life is actually our love, our service toward one another. That's the light. Verse, uh, well, let me give you what Jesus said. This is pretty awesome. Before I hit verse 9, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So check this out. A true follower of Jesus Christ is not saved by his good works, but a true follower of Jesus Christ will have good works. And those good works are actually the love that we have towards each other, an attitude that actually desires the very best for another. Now look at verse 9. The Bible says, the one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brothers in the darkness until now. So John now really is, he's making a distinction. He says, now listen, there are going to be some who claim to know the Lord, but they don't really know him. And there are also going to be some who claim to be in the light, but yet they're not really in the light. And here's how you know that, because they have hatred in their heart. 
Now think about this, all right? If we're walking in the light, his light, that is love. Is that Jesus calling? Y'all all right? He said, keep preaching. That's what Jesus said. That, that's the love. But if we're walking in darkness, then there is hatred and bitterness and jealousy and strife and anger and resentment. And he's saying here, man, man, the one who says is in the light and yet hates his brother, he's not in the light, he's in the darkness. And think about it like this, all right? You got a faucet at your house, right? If you turn the faucet on, what's going to come out of it? Water's going to come out. If it ain't frozen, y'all with me say amen? You turn it, here comes the water. Coke isn't coming out. Kool-Aid's not coming out. Orange juice isn't coming out. Water is coming out of the faucet. If you twist a Christian, what comes out of them? It isn't hatred. It isn't bitterness. It's love. It's an awesome truth. Now, I want you to think about this, all right? A true follower of Jesus cannot live in a constant state of hatred toward another person. Hatred is contrary to the true work of the Lord in a person's heart. And John here is noting that just because a person says they are in a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that they are actually in a relationship with Him. If you claim to be in the light, but your life is characterized by hatred, you're not in the light. Which leads me really to think, man, what about, what about people that maybe you've run into and I've run into before, and they're like, I'll tell you what, man, I used to go to church, but I hate them people down there now. I got no desire to be around those folks. I, matter, I just assume uh, kick them, then speak to them. But they claim to know Jesus. Or, hey, hey, look at me, how about that? What, what, about, what about those people in your life you just cut off? You did. So like, they did me wrong, so I turned the lights out. They did me wrong, so man, I'm not showing any love to them. I can't stand this. I don't want to be around those people. What about that mother who no longer talks to her daughter? But she comes to church. Are y'all listening? Say yes. See, it was all good until we got right down into your house, wasn't it? If you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you can't continue to walk in hatred and bitterness toward another person. Can't do it. You know what this means? This means for some people, if you're a genuine convert and you got some issues with somebody else, uh, you need to make those things right. As much as it is concerned with you, you be at peace with all men. That's what the Bible says. And I know this for a fact. I've experienced bitterness and anger and resentment towards somebody before. And I was a preacher. Y'all listening? I felt like I was done wrong. So I said, well, I'll just cut them off. I won't have anything to do with them whatsoever. I won't talk to them. I won't speak to them. And can I tell you what happened? Made me absolutely miserable. To a point where finally God, through his word, humbled me. And I had to actually ask the Lord to forgive me of my sin and my bitterness. And then I had to actually go and talk to that guy. Say, hey, bro, I apologize to you, man. I, 
I've been mean and ugly towards you and resentful, and, but you just made me so mad. <laughs> but I've asked God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Let's make it right. Are y'all listening to what I'm preaching up here? Because genuine converts cannot find peace in their life if they have hatred and bitterness toward other people. But if you can just kind of go on with that, and it's not a big deal to you, it's because you're in the darkness, you ain't in the light. Y'all still my friends out there? I can't really tell. Y'all ain't showing me no love. Verse 10 here. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. And I love that one. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. That means he walks in the light, he stays in the light. There's no cause for stumbling in him. And here's the reason why. Because when he's abiding in the light, he is expressing love towards other people. And if he's expressing love towards other people, he has no reason to fall into the sin of hatred and bitterness. Because the light's there. There's the hole of bitterness. There's the hole of anger. There's the hole of wrath. There's the hole of let me get back at him. But you avoid those when you're abiding in the light because love shows up. Then verse 11, the one who hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, this is interesting, right? Now, look at me real quick, all right? Look at me real quick. If you walk in darkness... Continually, guess what? Guess what this text says? The text says your eyes will go blind. And it means you'll be unable to see the light. So here's what it's really getting at. If the light is still flickering for you and you haven't responded yet to Jesus, you need to respond. Or he can turn all the lights out completely. Now, y'all still with me? Sometimes I like it when it gets real quiet. I just want to kind of be quiet and let the Lord work can we let's just let's do that heads bowed eyes closed nobody looking around right now listen man I'm here to help you all right I ain't trying to hurt your feelings not trying to preach some stout sermon it's kind of crazy I'm just reading through the text and saying here's what it says well some of you this morning you've got some intellectual knowledge of Jesus but you don't have a relationship with him that's why God brought you to church today. He wanted to open your eyes where they have been darkened. Now listen, you can fight against it all you want. You can deny it. You can continue to rebel against the Lord all that you want. But, I, but I'm just trying to tell you, all right, one day you're going to see him and some of you are going to be like, but I called you Lord. He's going to depart from me. I, I, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. And 
And some of you need to nail that down today. True followers of the Lord is what the Bible calls for. It's what Jesus calls for. So if you need to make it right with the Lord this morning, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from sin, saved from death. And the reason that you are saved is because Jesus paid it all on the cross. Your penalty for sin was paid on the cross at Calvary. He was buried and resurrected. Now this Jesus is calling out to you, calling out to you, turning the lights on. Man, I'm just trying to encourage you to turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus. Quit rebelling against Christ and rebel against sin. Trust the Lord this morning. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if that's what you need today, then I want to encourage you right where you are. Just pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud. Just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and that I need to be saved. So this morning, I'm turning from my sin, placing my trust in you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death and his resurrection. And now help me to follow him. And listen, if that's the prayer of your heart, in a moment we'll stand to our feet for an invitation. I'm going to invite you uh, to come forward just as others have already done. I'll be here in the front with other pastors. We want to pray for you, help you. Really, we really want to help you, help you move forward in your walk with Jesus. Or maybe you're like Kenny was this morning. Kenny gave his heart to the Lord a few years ago, but had not yet been baptized. And you, you sense that's what God's calling you to do. You, you come this morning. God may be calling you to join this church body. You want to participate with what the Lord's doing here. If that's the case, I'm going to encourage you to come as well. Father, the invitation is yours as always, and I just pray that you'd work in our midst and work in our hearts. God, I pray that nobody would leave here uh, turning a deaf ear to your love and your message. And I pray in the name of Christ that no one would harden their heart to the cross, but they would respond. Let's do this, all right? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just stand to your feet all across the building? Just stand up right where you are. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Heads are bowed, eyes are still closed. Hey, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, would you just pray right now? Because God's dealing with the hearts of some in this room, and uh, they're fighting against it. So just pray right now for those individuals. And then if you need to come uh, while the band and our leadership here actually sings, I just invite you to leave the place where you've been seated and where you're standing now. You may have to ask some folks to move out of your way. I promise they will. They'll be excited for you. You come forward this morning, all right? Christians, you're praying. Everybody's praying and seeking the Lord. As we sing, you come if you need.